If you're still on the hunt for a sports book to call home, bet the nonstop action of March Madness with my bookie. Enter bracket contests for a chance to take home prizes of up to $25,000 or pick from a huge selection of straight bets, props, and odds boosts. Whatever your style, MyBookie makes it easy to play your way and get paid. Sign up now and take advantage of our generous welcome offer to score a massive first deposit bonus of up to $1,000. All you have to do is claim promo code MADNESS50. But the fun doesn't stop there. Get up to the minute odds, free bets, and expert predictions to help you decide who to put your money on. The best part about MyBookie? You can bet on anything, anytime, from anywhere. Use promo code MADNESS50, that's MADNESS50, to secure your limited-time welcome bonus today. You're listening to the Utah Man Podcast, bringing you the latest news and analysis for your Utah Utes. Now, your hosts, Cameron, Ryan, and Scott. Welcome on into the Utah Man Podcast on this episode the Utes fall to the Beavers up in Corvallis, and we look ahead to the Utah Bruins game this Saturday. I'm Cameron, and we got Ryan. What's up, Ute Nation? It's good to be back. And Scott. How are we, gentlemen? So before we get in the game... Well, you didn't answer my question. Before we get in the game, <laughs> I, I want to know, Ryan, how did you get stuck on Pirate? <laughs> He's pretty concerned about this. It was the very first hill, you know, you go through the old bayou stuff and you get to the first drop. The The boat just stopped on the hill and the the gates were open and we just sat there and then boats started piling up behind us. And then they came over to the intercom and said, we need everyone in the boat to to lean forward, do the, <laughs> do the pirate shuffle as we call it. The pirate shuffle. So I, it sounded like this is a a normal thing like so everyone on the boat says one two three one two three everybody thrust forward (laughs) it didn't work (laughs) but it was funny watching a whole boat of people try to get over the hump in the hill so so you guys were kind of like you're like high centered or something i don't (laughs) know what they're like utah's offense in the red zone (laughs) i was gonna say utah they need to do the pirate shuffle In the red zone. Oh. Well, we're glad to have you back, Ryan. Probably had too many churros before you got on, on Pirates of the Caribbean. I didn't have any churros the whole time, but <laughs> I had plenty t- of other snacks. They're $10 a pop. <laughs> 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 All right, let's get into Utah, Oregon State. Uh, Oregon State gets the win, 42-34. to 34. I wanna, let, let's, start, let, let's start with the defense. Hey, who's having fun? <laughs> <laughs> let's start with the defense. That was what defense. That's not the Utah defense we're accustomed to seeing over the years. Not even I, close. I know they're young, especially on, on the defensive front. And obviously, when they are starting off freshmen and gaining freshmen a lot of reps, and the lone senior gets ejected. But there was problems before he got ejected. I don't know. It's it. Obviously, and especially coming off of the second half of the ASU game where they pitched a shutout, that I, I don't think anybody saw a defensive performance like that coming. I mean, it was chunk play after chunk play that they were able to get and just march down the field. 
No, it was <laughs> it was horrendous. I mean, obviously Utah's had a problem starting slow this year, right? They've talked a lot about that, and and I at first that's kind of what I thought. All right, you know, it's gonna take a, a few series. We're gonna we're gonna settle in, get these guys on third down, get off the field. It should never happen. I mean, and and credit to Oregon State. That's a good team, and and Jonathan Smith. He's further along than than I thought he was. I still thought that you know they, these guys are not there yet. They're they're kind of a nice story. They're on the trend towards you know really competing, but I just didn't think they're there. After watching that game, I fully believe, man, they they're the best team we played. Mm-hmm. Their offensive line is good, really good. I mean, mm-hmm. we 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 had no answer for their run game all night long. Whether it was right up the gut. Or they clearly saw something on tape to attack the edges because that's all they did. And they they got so many big plays off the end arounds and just attacking those edges and then and then they go bust it right back up the gut. Big play. Get Utah focused back on the run. Throw it over the top for a play where our our DBs were literally never in the picture. If I can, if I can recall, there was one pass by by Phillips that was defended all night long, where he actually made a play on the ball. Outside of that, there was not a DB who made a play on a ball, or that was even close enough to make a play all night long. Well, Chance Nolan for Oregon State was fourteen of nineteen, which is which is a great percentage. The crazy thing is they only attempted nineteen passes, which means their running attack was extremely successful 260 yards on the ground for the for the beavers if you were to compare chance nolan to cam rising passing the ball you would have thought cam blew him away just watching that game statistically chance nolan was through for two away cam threw for 267 with nearly 17 set with 17 more attempts which just tells you it was big plays. Mm-hmm. When he was passing, they were getting big yardage. And there was that one long, long throw down the sideline, which they got. But I think a lot of their pass completions were shorter type routes that the receiver broke for yards after the catch. Well, there was good not tackle. There was nobody there to break. Yeah, they were wide open. I mean, I'm I, I'm not exaggerating. There was no pressure on any of these catches. These guys were catching the ball wide open, whether it was in the end zone, whether it was between between the 20s. They were getting whatever they wanted in the pass game, which which you would understand if, if we were so concerned with the run game and that was our focus and we were shutting that down. Okay, maybe you give up some big plays over the top. But when you're giving up everything, it really just kind of leaves you that whatever Utah tried and any adjustments that they tried did not work. Well, I think, if we only stopped their offense twice, right? First, first, first series. series, and then the fumble, and uh, well, what? and the last series essentially where they went for it on fourth down, missed. Um, so essentially three series, but uh, that one kind of uh, game's pretty much over at that point. So they had their way. A the miracle happens. Game. Yeah, no, they they played a really good game, um, and credit to them. It was just. That's that's what you're going to get with such a young team that, that Utah's putting out there defensively. 
so many freshmen. You're going to have a lot of highs like you had against the second half against um, Arizona State. But you're also going to have a lot of lows, which we had the entire Oregon State game, unfortunately. Just inconsistency from these guys that just aren't ready to go. And Kyle is very critical of that defensive line and how soft they were against the run. And, and, and I take it a step further. It's not just the defensive line. The linebackers didn't perform or play all that well either. Well, outside of Lloyd, they're fairly young too. Oh, yeah. I mean, you just got a lot of youth. And, and you saw that. I, I think, obviously, you know, we touched on the DBs and the struggles they had. Take it a step further into the safety group where even, I know Vontae was dinged up a little bit, but safeties were taking bad angles all night on some of those runs that allowed those runs to be really big. And again, you know, in the past, we've just been, we've become so accustomed to having a good center fielder back there that can make a play on those deep balls on the sideline, come up with some picks. Mm-hmm. put pressure um and and really put that pressure to the point where they're not throwing those balls whether that's a Marcus Williams a Robert Johnson whoever we just don't have a ball hawking safety there's no help there's literally never help over the top on any of these and i i think that's where we're missing i think Kamoyalatu can turn into that guy but again it just goes back to youth he's just not there yet the secondary is not there yet, and uh, the defensive line, they're just kind of a little bit inconsistent in the moment. So I know a, a big sticking point in this game is Devin Lloyd getting tossed uh, for the targeting. So he's going to miss the first half against UCLA. That's going to hurt you, this Utah defense. He's your leader on the field. We've talked about it week over week that he makes up a lot of mistakes that this team causes, especially in the youth. We got to go to a break, but when we come back, let's talk about this linebacking group, you know, how they did against Oregon State and what maybe we can expect against UCLA. All right, we're back, and I really want to talk about this linebacking group because with, with Devin Lloyd out, that's going to cause some serious issues, I think, uh, for this defense. And obviously, he's only out for the first half against UCLA. But outside of Lloyd, it, it's going to be it's going to be hard for you. It's, yes, they have have Nephi Sewell, who, who's who's a great linebacker, but he's just not the the same type of of athlete as as Devin Lloyd. Uh, Reed has been playing a lot, but again, a young freshman, not as up there with Lloyd. I'm nervous, guys. I, to be honest with you, I'm. I'm nervous for the defense after what we saw against Oregon State, and I'm now I'm even more nervous knowing we. Devin Lloyd's only going to play the second half. You know, I'm I'm not obviously that was not a good performance, but I'm really not too nervous about this game. And and maybe I'm over maybe I'm overthinking this a little bit too much. I just don't think you're going to see as young as this team is, you're not going to see that bad of a performance two weeks in a row, especially with one of them being at home. I think that's huge. The fact that we're going to be at Rice Eccles Stadium, the crowd's going to be there. At least we, at least we hope it's going to be there. Um, and on top of that, I just think these guys, they're going to watch tape all week. As as ugly as that game was, it was it's going to be such a good learning opportunity for everybody on that defense. Morgan is he expects a lot. 
he expects a lot out of that defense, and I think he's he's going to be riding these guys this week. He's going to be challenging them. I think you're going to see a better performance overall from this defense. You know, again, it's probably just little 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 fire under these guys, and and there's no doubt about it. Lloyd not being there, it's it's gonna it's gonna have an impact. But I think I think for only a half, we'll be able to cover it up, and I think I think I think you're going to see a much better performance. So I know we're not into the UCLA game yet, uh, but while we're talking about this defense, who do you guys think is going to be stepping up uh, for Lloyd? I, I may right off the the top of my head, I think Reed is probably going to get those reps. Uh, Hayden Fury as, as another guy we've seen so far this year. Well, and I think it'll depend somewhat on what their game plan is. Um, and if DTR plays. Right. Right, because he he brings a whole different element to that offense with his ability to run, just like a Jaden Daniels we saw a couple of weeks ago. So I think that that's going to factor in. Kyle Whittingham today said he fully expects DTR will play. We'll see kind of how that goes as the week progresses. I wouldn't be surprised to see him start. Depends on how injured he is and whether he can um, last the entire game. But I'll bet you Karini uh, Reed is going to be your guy. He came in when Lloyd went out. Um, so unless Morgan is really going to try and change things up, um, maybe bring uh, you know three backers onto the field um, consistently, then uh, then that could change things up a little bit. But I, I would expect you're going to see a lot of Reed um, and Sewell out there. I think especially if DTR plays, you've got to have you've got to have speed and athleticism to to mirror the quarterback. A guy like Fury is probably not going to get it done if DTR plays. Well, and and Mata'afa, we didn't see a lot of him against Oregon State. Um, and, and he has been getting a lot of opportunities prior to that. So it'll be interesting to see. I don't know if he's injured, dinged up, or just in the doghouse. But he, he potentially could be somebody that you see a little bit more in the, in the first half. I, I really want to see one of the Calverts, to be honest with you. Well, word on the street is Ethan is a little dinged up. I have heard that, uh, which but probably he got, means he's he's fully in red shirt mode <laughs> at this point. But you got Josh, his brother, um, in there as well. So the, I don't know. The, we'll, the, the fact that you haven't seen either of them it, by now, I don't it's probably telling. I don't think you're going to at this point. Uh, so I mean, that's taking us down the UCLA uh, road. Let's get back to the Oregon State game, uh, especially with Lloyd. Kyle Winningham on his morning, on his Monday remarks didn't agree with the targeting. What say you two? It's interesting. I, I I think it's interesting that he, after watching it, still still disagrees with it. I I'll give Kyle credit for saying that. Oh, for sure, for sure. Eat and that, I, Merton Hanks. <laughs> it's an interesting call because typically for years, when someone gets ejected for targeting, it's a headshot. And I guess by letter of the law, because he led with the crown of his helmet into a uh, chest plate. Well, that's what I, it's not. Just, I think it's it's twofold. It's he led with the crown, and it was considered a defenseless player. quarterback. Yeah, because he was in the throwing motion, which which ultimately I think that double whammy. But I'll tell you, man. I mean, he goes in. Sure, yeah, he he led with the crown. He hits him in the midsection, nowhere near his head, and we're doing this target. I mean, this is just a bunch of baloney. I, I will say it. I I know I'm gonna have you 
mute goggles on. Lloyd was getting blocked, though, at the same time. Like, how do you expect a player to be getting pushed by an opponent and trying to make a tackle? You're not going for someone's head. I just, what what else do you want them to do? Well, here's the other aspect to this. If helmet to helmet, I'm not going to argue that. That is what it is. Yeah. That's that was the, the that's the reason we have this this call now. Yeah, no, that's why it was because all the all the all the headshots, right? If we're going to take it this step further, where anytime somebody leads with the crown of their helmet on anybody that can be considered defenses, I mean, you're you literally could lose five to ten guys per game because it happens all the time. You can't tell me what Lloyd did is any different than what you're seeing all the mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. And and I I think you probably don't even see that call being made if Oregon State's player wasn't ejected a few plays before, and the, before and the fans would stop booing after 35 minutes. Holy cow, Oregon State. I I do wish though they would tweak the targeting and that wasn't an ejection. Um, maybe get two before you're ejected, but I, and then I still don't like if it's in the second half, it carries to the next game. Well, and that's so soccer. It, it bugs me, you know, like, you know how soccer, they always have crap that carries over. It has nothing to do with the other game. That's how I feel with this targeting. What does that have to do with Utah versus UCLA? Teaches them a lesson. So well, it's because you, because, because they don't want to get sued. Well, when it comes down to the NCAA that's doesn't want to get sued. You, that's where, and you, you've, you've heard it talk about, right? There needs to be a different level of grade, essentially, of, of a targeting. And if it's a most severe, you know, then, then sure, you're going to sit out like for a, a malicious half. headshot with intent right, probably right. deserves But But with what Lloyd like, did, Okay, maybe, maybe, maybe you toss him from the game, but you don't lose the start of the next game. I mean, give me a break. I mean, if anything, it's a 15, 15 yard penalty. And it's just, it's, it's getting ridiculous how this game is being officiated. And, and, you know, Merton Hanks can get on Twitter all day long, every day, and say, oh, we fixed the problem. We do not have an officiating problem. Yes, you do. You still, and it's not just this targeting, it's just, Bad play, bad bad calls after bad calls, and inconsistency game in and game out. You're gonna get when you're when you're bringing this on top of it. You're expecting these these officials to make these calls on contact sport. It just does not make sense and with would, how they're officiating things currently under the rules. And I would honestly like to see how many other times this season in college football across the board that someone has been ejected for a head to the gut i've never seen it i haven't either never seen it not just in utah i've never seen it in in a game where somebody's got tossed because they led with their helmet to a midsection and that's that that goes back to the inconsistency because that was not the only time that happened in that game. And it's not going to be the only time it happens in the next game. It happens all the time. There's just so much inconsistency inconsistency with it. But it is what it is. He's gone. And the Utes are, Utes are going to have to be ready to go. And uh, and hopefully it's a little wake-up call for everybody just to not lead with your head. <laughs> all right. I want to get into special teams. Uh, we're going to go to, <laughs> we're wow. gonna go on break. Speaking of dumpster fire... And yeah, no, I I want to bring the heat on this. I have a lot of thoughts. We'll be right back.
All right, Utah special teams is a disaster all the way around, whether it's kickoffs for touchdowns, we've seen a couple times this year, punting, field goal kicking. I want to get this out. The way that fans have talked about, me included, Jim Harding with the offensive line, we need to have that same sort of standard across the board for all coaches. And Shaw's not getting it done. Currently, Special he's teams. Not. I, I love Shaw. Over the years has, has decreased. There's no doubt Shaw, about it. He's great coach. Great recruiter. Horrible special teams <laughs> coach. But honestly, like we can't give him pass because of how much we really like him. Oh, for if sure. If a fan base, if we're going to treat Harding at a certain level because his what he's overseeing isn't playing up to par, we have to have that across the board. That being said, Shaw's not getting it done, and this isn't the first year that special teams has been well, in, in trouble. But and I think that's this is, I think that's the key, Cam, is this isn't just it wasn't just a bad game for special teams. It's it's going on two seasons of bad special teams play. It just has not been the standard that it has in the past, right? Kyle Whittingham has built this program on good defense and great special teams play. We have not seen great special teams play in a long time. No, yeah. I mean I and I think Part of that, part part of that gets covered up with guys like Matt Gay and guys like Wishnowski, who Hackett, Phillips. I mean, you've had a good run of field goal kickers, punters, Ray Guy Award winners. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, they've had a really good run, which ultimately that just raises the bar. Now, teams that that follow and and players that follow those guys are now expected to meet a, a similar standard, which you know may not be fair because those guys were really, really good. But we're not even meeting the you know an average bar at the moment. No, I mean if you look at the different phases of special teams, so let's take um, field goal cooking. When Utah has the last several years have had taken pride in it, right with with King Louie and Andy Phillips and I, speaking of Louie I think Louie was the last field goal kicker who started the job as the starter started the year as the starter and, and ended kept it the season uh, and 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 then Matt Gay so I think you know there is that that kind of that pressure I guess on Utah to keep pumping out kickers like that but the fact that they're just relying on walk-ons year after year is it, catching up to them well, and you know what else has caught up to him is the Aussie pipeline, right? <laughs> Matt Hackett and Wisnowski, that was kind of early on in that Australian pipeline. Utah was kind of the one that got that started. And we're kind of getting, obviously, the pick of the litter. Whereas now, everybody's going down to Australia to find punters. You see it all across college football, and it's somewhat being diluted, apparently. In the last two we've gotten have been lemons. No, literally, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and, and, you know, I granted he is new to this game and he is just a freshman. So with time, he, you know, I don't even know his name. What is their punter's name? I just know he's not good. Paisley. You know, know, Brad Paisley. (laughs) Cameron or or Cameron Paisley. He's just not getting it done. I think Brad Paisley Paisley could get it done more better or better. (laughs) So I will say, so Kyle did say that the the first punt wasn't the punter's fault. It was the blocking. Now, now that that is very true. 75, if you, if you rewatch it, 75, he's the middle guy. He's your kind of 
He's the one that, as soon as the ball is snapped, he steps into that opening and is in the middle of those three guys. he's supposed to block the... He did not touch a soul. (laughs) (laughs) So about... But we've seen that, right? I mean, how many times has Utah flirted with this, with the fire, that they almost get blocked? Every every week. Every week. We've seen it all season long. We knew this was coming because... Besides the fact that the blocking's been poor, Paisley or Peasley or whatever his name is, Brad, kicks in freaking slow motion. I don't know. It, it's going to take him like five seconds to get the ball off his foot. Yeah, it's, it's, it's something to behold. I, I can't figure out. Like, urgency's always, it's kind of my thing. It's kind of my pet peeve. And when a punter, of all people, does not have any sense of urgency, especially after you've had one blocked, you would think you would have that mother out quick. And the next time, he's slow again, and then he kicks it into basically the helmet of our blocker on the next one and gets bailed out because if two, two number eights. Eight. The equipment manager just can't dress people appropriately. <laughs> Oh, I know. I know we're we're laughing, we're having fun, but this is. I mean, Kyle Whittingham talks about to win a football game, you got to win all three phases: offense, defense, special teams. Well, he better take over <laughs> phase three if he wants this They're to win. Consistently losing phase three, you know. And and this is off topic, and you know, maybe not super fair, but it makes me wonder if Shaw is the next DC. Is he ready? Because as a special teams guy, if if that's a little much, it really worries me about his future stepping up in, you know, advancement within the within the program. Obviously, we don't need to talk about that right now. But it definitely is a concern in the back of my mind at how bad we are. And it's not just punting. It's not just blocking. We've had two kickoffs return to the end zone this year. We... Covey did take one to the house, so maybe that erases one of those bad. One good erases one bad. But overall, it's just the unit has just not been good. Mm-hmm. There's some hangover from the housewives of Salt Lake City. <laughs> and I'm not I'm not calling for, for Shaw's head over it. I'm not calling for his head by any means. Um, but something's got to change. And I don't know if you take him off of special teams or if Kyle inserts himself a little bit more. On special teams. Well, Kyle's not doing anything. He's got some free time. Let's go, Kyle. <laughs> Coach him up. And Kyle, it, it wasn't a Kyle it wasn't, was a court was the special teams for coordinator. a long time. He was the coordinator. It was only a few years back that he was doing it. I just think he needs to say, Shaw, I appreciate your effort. I'll see it out from I here. I think it was back. Didn't he make Justin Enna the special team coordinator? And that. And then things, haven't, Utah things State. haven't been right since. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's enough. Special teams, enough kickers, enough punting, but we're going to see it the rest of the year, though. People are going to bring pressure. Well, but let's let's talk. Okay, so here's another aspect. I'm not okay. done yet, Cam. You All can't right. go to commercial yet. <laughs> Their punter, the first series, it hits the ground, bounces up, bobbles it, bounces on the ground, and we still can't get anybody there in time to block it. Is he really left-footed, or is he... No, he's left-footed. Oh, okay, because he kicked it left, and I was like, 
Dude, we, if he's not left footed, we never we never got a real other opportunity <laughs> no, because we, we never forced him to punt again. <laughs> well, I mean, if you look at it, yeah, Utah didn't bring pressure at all, no, no, and no. the guys kind of pretended like they were bringing it, and then as soon as they noticed that the ball was bouncing around, then they're like, "Oh crap!" So then they started to run. Yeah, but when you're, they well, were that's like my walking. Point. That's my point, Cam. We never bring pressure. But when the ball's on the two yard line or one yard line, whatever it was, they don't even have the requisite thirteen yard. Why aren't you going for the block? And that 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 has that has been my take is I understand their I understand their scheming on this and their strategy. Kyle and obviously Shaw want to set up Covey in the return. They're more focused on dropping guys back to set up the return than putting pressure on the punt. I get that. I also get the idea if if you're too aggressive, you may rough the punter and you give them a free first down. That is something you have to take into account, and I get that. But we literally never put pressure on a punt. It it's been probably a good three years since we have, mm-hmm. and I'm not I'm not exaggerating on that. It's just we just don't. And the flip side it's of in that the analytics. <laughs> well, the flip side of that <laughs> is every other team puts pressure on us every punt. Yeah. So, and apparently, and, and Oregon State found the weakness, so people are going to keep coming at it. Yeah, go to, to 75. <laughs> Where's he on the field? Go there. <laughs> uh, I, I agree. I mean, you got to change it up. Se- oh, I'm looking at the roster, 75, Tim McGraw. <laughs> it's Pepe. Is it really Pepe? Come on, Pepe. Tim McGraw and Brad Paisley are back there in punt formation. Kyle's, <laughs> Kyle's been spending some time in Nashville. Is Garth recruiting. Brooks the center now? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you could tell we're... We like dad jokes, don't we? <laughs> All right. Okay. That's an, I'm done okay, special Ken, teams. You're allowed to go to break now. Okay, let's go to They've break. Punting like their faith heel. <laughs> All right, let's. <laughs> we got to get control. Let's go to break. Okay, now we can talk about the offense because I'm excited about to talk about the offense. Okay, so Utah offense put up 34 points um, against you know a pretty stout Oregon State defense. Scores, they score 14 points in the first quarter. You know, back to back drives. I thought they were rolling early. Oh, they were. They were rolling I early. Thought, they, I thought it was just a continuation of ASU. And obviously it was. They slowed up a little bit, though. And a lot of people, especially you know fans on Twitter, have pointed to the play calling, the play selection, maybe moving away from the pass a little too early, uh, focusing too much on the run. And then red zone issues again for the youth especially I, within the five yard line i think it all i didn't comes like down how, to red zone i didn't like how cute they got in the red zone no scott you disagreed with me what did i disagree with you on that i thought they were getting too cute no i i, I would agree with that i i thought oh i thought you no okay good they 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 would be able to march between the 20s at ease and as soon as we got close to that end zone it was just like the play calling changed and I get it, right? You've you've got less room to work with, so you to an extent you have to. But it just it didn't they did not keep that same aggressive 
um, passing game down around the end zone, and then they they went away from the running game in certain situations. On that first fourth down that uh, that we didn't convert on, uh, Tavion Thomas takes us right down to the two yard line, and he never touched the ball again. Three plays are three straight passing plays. You go to Covey, who was open, by the way. Rising just missed him. And then uh, you go to Cam's favorite player, our fullback, uh, Mr. Joe Dirt uh, Ludwig. And Cam throws it on the wrong shoulder. And, and that, that's on Cam. Because in I, I like that play. Cam, this Cam. Me, I don't like the play. You didn't like the play. I liked oh, it. And here's, if he puts the pass in the right spot, he strolls into that, the end that, zone. Okay, and okay, that, that no, may it's be my true. turn to talk, Cam. Oh, it's my turn, oh my Mr. Gosh. Mr. Paisley. Okay. Simmer down. <laughs> I was gonna say, there. what other country singer are you gonna name out? <laughs> no, but honestly, I like it because what do we always harp on? Where's the creativity, right? Let's show the defense something that they're not expecting. Let's try some new things, right? We have not run. We've not passed to the fullback. Exactly. It, That's it, why you don't pass it to him on fourth down his, on the goal line. It wasn't fourth down. That was third down. It was third down. And second of all, if if Cam puts it on the outside shoulder, he catches it. He could have he could have slow walked into that end zone. He, you don't know that. He could have tripped over his feet like he did trying to catch that ball. Oh my, because you would have was, tripped over your feet too the way that was thrown. <laughs> he was turning around. No, okay. It, it and Kyle said this in the press conference, right? Like, if the play goes well, it's a great play call. If it doesn't go well, it's a, it's the wrong play call. Sure. I liked the play call. It was yeah. just not executed. This is why I don't like it, though. And I think I it kind of goes back to my thought in the overtime against San Diego State. Is when it's crunch time, when when you're on that goal line, when you got to punch that ball in, you got to go with your sure players. You got to go with your playmakers. Ludwig isn't a playmaker. At least he hasn't proven he's a playmaker. I don't want the ball going to him on the goal line. I don't want the ball going to O'Toole on a two point conversion in overtime. There's a reason why you have a Brant Keithy, a a Kincaid, a Chovy. But guess what? Those are the guys the defense is keying on too, right? They they think it's going to Keithy, so they they probably have double coverage on him, right? Which which they allows, did on fourth down, exactly. Which allows you to then have a single coverage for the other guys to beat their defender, which Ludwig did. I love the call; it was just not executed. The one play call that I wish they would have changed in that in that particular series of downs was second down in the pass to Covey. Like like Scott said, Thomas got you four or five yards on first down. Give it to him again. He'll pick up two yards and score. I would I I I, I probably would have liked Thomas on second down and then even again on third down if he didn't get in on second. Because at that at that point of the game we were having success. Running the ball. Mm-hmm. Again, it's easy in hindsight to sit here and say, yeah, well, it didn't work. Obviously, it was a bad call. Some of, some of these calls, I, I they weren't great. But again, even if you go to the fourth down play, the play was there. I think he just threw it to the wrong guy. There was a guy There's open got behind Keith. Wide open yeah. in the back of the end zone. And, and that goes to my other point, and you saw that later in the game with the fourth down pass to Covey at the goal line. 
let's throw the ball to somebody who's in the end zone. Let's not throw it short of the end zone and make them break a tackle to get in. Well, I think on that one, it was that was weird because Enos was right there. I don't know what happened. Enos and, and Covey were way too close. So one defender covered both of them. Well, I think one guy's deep, one guy's shallow. But well, and they weren't then, and then real Enos deep. Has got to go a little bit Enos deeper. wasn't real deep. And 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 looking back, it's easy to go. Okay, well, he probably should have waited a second, and then and that would have freed up Enos in the back of the end zone. But he had a guy right in his face. Yeah. He had to get rid of that. Well, ball. And then I th- well, I kind of thought he should have gotten the ball to Covey sooner. Yeah. I mean, I, again, it's so easy to sit here and be Monday morning quarterback. Sure. Uh, we're not in it. We're not in the play calls. Um, I I will give Ludwig credit though on those goal lines for having the for having the guts to do it um because well, that's more kyle kyle tells him we're going for it no i'm not necessarily going for it but the plays that he called i i don't oh, sure i sure. don't love it going to his kid on on his third kid. down <laughs> but Cam, some nepotism cam's, cam's uh he's he's tied <laughs> up on that caught, nepotism if, if, you, if you caught my drift on that one um I, I don't like the ball going there, but I will give them credit because that's one thing that we did harp on in the first couple games of no creativity, uh, no changing it up. Well, and I, th- I think that that helps the running game in the future when you now have that on tape that al- around the goal line, they now have to account for the fullback catching the ball, which could slow up those linebackers slightly and allow that running back to get in next time. And so the more that they do and the more that they put on tape, requires that the, these future defenses to prepare for more and have more in their mind as far as what, yeah. the, what Suc- they may see. Successful or not, people have to account for it now. E- exactly. And that's why I'm not trying to harp on it that it, he he shouldn't have called a, a pass play. My my whole argument is just who are you giving the ball to? You got to give your ball to your playmakers and your stars. I, I, I still think even if that pass goes to Keithy, if he lines up as a fullback, that's not the passes in the wrong spot. It's not. It's not necessarily who the play is designed for. Yeah. If if Jerry Rice was running that route, he still doesn't catch it. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I, yeah. I, I don't know. I, 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 that's apples and oranges. <laughs> you, you, no, don't not don't gonna, compare. Jerry you're not going to budge, Jerry. This is like a political don't t- don't discussion. Compare Jerry Nobody's Rice to the OC's kid that's on the on the, <laughs> the roster. OC's kid. He's. He's got he's got that ability. <laughs> Cam. It's Joseph Ludwig to you, sir. <laughs> All right, uh, Cam Rising. I another clean game. You should say you know no interceptions, two touchdowns. Uh, Scott, you called it twenty two of thirty six. Uh, he was tremendous in the running game. Picked up seventy three yards. Dude's a beast, man. Yeah, I mean his ability to run and and pick up first downs when nothing else is there. It was was crucial in this game and it has been all season I mean, he picked up a third and 12 with his legs a third and eight i mean he was he was single-handedly keeping those chains alive or keeping you know keeping utah's offense on the field on on those third downs he was he was so good outside of a few throws you know as we as we've talked about you know he wasn't perfect by any means and and uh, there's definitely some room to improve but without without that type of a performance, Utah's losing early third quarter, and the game's over. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, he he kept that offensive 
as much as he could, he got that that offensive moving the whole game. And and it's remarkable if you think about it. And when we talked about this last week, he's still a young quarterback. He's only a sophomore. And and a sophomore that doesn't have a lot of reps. This was his fifth starting. Yeah, game. I mean, he's and, young. and I yeah. think that's the thing we've talked about is he because he's been here now for three years. Uh, he, and he so he knows the offensive system well. He just doesn't have the reps, and I think sometimes you kind of see that, and may, maybe on those goal line situations, you know, he hasn't really had a lot of experience in in that in in, in game in live game situations. I think that's maybe where maybe his youth comes into play when you see that. But the fact that what you said, Ryan, fifth game starting and against a very talented Oregon State team kept Utah in it in the fourth quarter. I think bodes well for the future and and for and, and this was all after a shot to the head on a targeting power targeting play. I mean, the dude just doesn't. Some of those falls he takes, I'm like just cringing, watching, thinking, "Please get up, please get up." He pops up and just runs right back, and he just does it again. Come on, Cam, slide. Run out of bounds. We need you. <laughs> Can you imagine? A lot about Travis I mean, Wilson. Just, uh, <laughs> uh, think about this for a minute. Imagine this team without him at quarterback. We saw it earlier in the year. Exactly. We need him. Please yeah. stay healthy. <laughs> he does need to be careful. But what I really like, though, and we really haven't seen Utah have an offense that can just move the ball at will for a long time. Um, and like you said, we, we wouldn't have been in this game without that. Uh, but with the defense being as young and inefficient as they've been, this team needs this offense to score a lot of points yeah. to win games. Yeah. And I mean, typically going up against Oregon state, yes, they're a much improved team, but had you told me we're going to score 34 points and move the ball like we did. I would have thought that would have been more than sufficient, even with a defense that's not, you know, what we're used to. And 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 really, four yards away from being forty-eight points and a win. Yeah, I mean, the total yards over four hundred and fifty yards. Yeah, they moved I, the ball. You're going to win a lot of ball games. They moved doing that. the ball and at will. Zero turnovers. Yeah, and it was clean, and it it, com- it really just comes down to the block punt, which was taken. I mean, that's seven free points you just hand them. And uh, and then not coming out with anything on those fourth down goal line attempts. Well, not coming away with anything when the other blocked punt happened and they got turned the field. We got the ball back. Yeah, first down on their side of the field and came away with nothing but, there too. What are your guys' thoughts? Kyle goes for it on fourth down on both of those. Do you like it? Would you? I mean, obviously, it's easy to say, well, kick kick the point, kick the field goal, let's get the points, and that does change kind of end-of-game strategy a little did, bit. On that one, though, they did kick the... That was the 52-yard field goal they missed, right? That, that was you're on just the... You're talking about the goal line situation. I'm situations. just talking about the two goal line situations. I honestly... The first one, I liked it. The, the first one they went for, I liked it. You're being aggressive. The second one, I didn't like it as much, because I think at that point, it was a 10-point game. I believe, yeah. Um, and so I, I was thinking, just get the points, just, just get the points, and then you're only one score, um, behind. Uh, I didn't hate it, but I, I definitely on that second one, I wish they would have. Which, I, I was, which I is was funny because it's it. kind of a shift in Kyle's mentality a Very little bit, different. and and he, he's mentioned this. It's an analytics, so obviously analytics have entered the discussion in, in his coaching. 
which in some ways is, is really good. But Kyle used to be the guy that would always take the points. He was not the gambling guy. He'd take those three points, put it on his defense, and it won us a lot of games. Well, now he doesn't have that defense to rely on, so and, I think he has to gamble with getting the points. Well, and, and potentially the fact that having a unpolished kicker Oh, sure. Could also yeah. be playing a factor a as well because, you know, I mean, he goes one for two in this game. and He definitely has the leg for the 52-yarder. He does. And 52 yards is a long kick. Um, and it's essentially his first kick since being named starter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's easy to sit back and go, oof, man, some some tough calls throughout. But uh, but offensively, man, we're right there. We're it's just fun to watch this team offensively because because even, I mean, in years past, you get down 10 points on the road to a team that's got all the momentum in the world, game's over. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I didn't think the game was over. I thought the way we're moving the ball, all it's going to take is we're going to keep scoring and and the defense is, will get a stop or two and and we can, we can still pull this out. So it, this, this, Cam Rising has done something to this program and to this fan base. He's given this fan base hope. <laughs> There's life in the offense. <laughs> I'll, before we jump on to what, whatever's next, I'm going to, I just want to say, Devon Vele, what a stud he's becoming. That long ball, he fought through the PI, pass interference and double came, coverage. came up with that. If, that, if he continues, he's going to be. Dang hard to beat. Well, you, they talked about it on the during the game. You, Kyle has been alluding to it for years that this kid's a potential NFL star, and you're seeing it because he's got he's got the speed, he's got the height, and now he's 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 producing. It used to be just a lot of talk, a lot of hype. Now he's going out there and he's making great and very important catches week in and week out. It kind of seems like he's he's kind of the go to guy. Yeah, for for rising, rising likes him. He goes to him a lot, right? And obviously, he you know he goes to Keithy and he goes to these tight ends a lot. But as far as the wide receiver position, I think I think he and Vele definitely have a connection going on that. So speaking of wide receivers, it was nice to see Dixon uh, get in there. I think and he had Enos one reception. Too. Oh yeah, Enos has been. Dixon is always good for one sighting a game. You know, it was a that? nice. It was a nice throw and catch. On oh, that it was, one, it was beautiful. Yeah. It was beautiful. Yeah, then he went up in the air and got it. But again, you're you're still seeing you're seeing this wide receiving group continue to progress and mature, and 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 Cam's a big part of that. He's helping these guys to go out and get confidence because I think confidence has been the biggest issue with this wide receiver core because they don't get a lot of targets typically, and they've just continually been harped on. Now they're getting opportunities to kind of shut us all up. And go out there and and catch the ball all over the field and make plays, and it's just it's just fun to watch. All right, so that kind of do it on our thoughts um, on this game, and hopefully you talking put this behind them. Uh, when we come back, we'll start talking Utah and UCLA. All right, so the Utes will welcome in the Bruins of UCLA this week into Rice Eccles. Uh, it's a night game. I think they're wearing Scott's favorite uniform, so it's it's going to be electric. Gag me with a spoon. 
So UCLA is coming in uh, after losing to Oregon 34 to 31. And they were also up 14 points early. They were. Uh, UCLA, this is a different UCLA team than I think we uh, have kind of seen over the last couple of years. Yeah, because they're not at the bottom of the standings. <laughs> uh, so looking at their schedule, probably their best win of the season it was LSU who was 16 at the time. The LSU is not, you know, LSU that they have been the last couple of years. Uh, so maybe Stanford. Uh, they they won a couple of weeks ago, 35-24. Uh, but UCLA, you know, a lot of people, and, and Yogi Roth was saying this on the Pac-12 Network, has the best offensive line in the conference. And for Utah's D-line that has kind of been really been up and down, that gives me some concern. After seeing Oregon State, I'm I'm gonna go with I'm gonna give them the nod on best offensive line. They're very good. I mean, that, there's a reason why they lead the league in rushing, and especially and Boiler scored. Yeah. Uh, so with UCLA though, uh, DTR, their quarterback suffered an injury uh, late in the game against Oregon. Uh, we're recording this on Monday. There was reports he was dressed, but was not throwing at practice on Monday afternoon. DTR, as we've all seen throughout his career at UCLA, is up and down. I would say probably more down than up. I just remember last time they were here. He was a mess. He was a mess. I mean, how many times did the ball go through his hands or he went back to throw a pass and it fell out of his hands? <laughs> yeah. I mean... I think he could be rattled. He He's a heck of an athlete, and if you let him get loose, he'll beat you. But I take my chances with him throwing the ball. Oh, I think that if he if he's in the game, that's your game plan, is you have to stop their rushing attack, which is very good. It is good. Uh, but they're kind of a three-headed monster with their two backs, uh, especially their, that transfer from Michigan uh, and DTR. All three of them can run the ball very well. So, so if Utah wants... If he's in there, Utah has to take that running attack away and make them beat you with throwing the ball. Well, they're kind of similar to Oregon State in the sense that most of their yards come on the ground and they do just enough through the air, right? Which we just saw how well that worked <laughs> against our defense. So, it, you know, somewhat of a concern. Obviously, I don't, you know, UCLA is not as well of a coach team as Oregon State. They're They're more talented. And they've got some real good playmakers, and they've got some guys, as Cam, you just mentioned, that are, can run the ball and are very efficient at it. But uh, it's going to come down to DTR, just not a guy that really scares me. He can make some big plays, but he's not super consistent. He's not going to cons- he's not going to beat you consistently through the passing game all night long. And it's, and if he's dinged up, it, it's not. It's going to make it even worse for them. And it it appears it's a shoulder injury. I mean, we don't. We don't know what it is. He did dress today. He he did dress, but he but didn't, didn't participate. He, he didn't throw, as what? Well, well clearly it was bad enough that he couldn't finish the game last week. I it looked like a collarbone, to be honest with you. Um, the way he was grabbing at it, it looked like a collarbone injury. But again, that speculating, watching on TV, so I'm probably making a fool of myself. Uh, but it, as you usually do, <laughs> like a, a shoulder, and we're gonna call, find out it was really a, a knee injury <laughs> or an Adam's apple. <laughs> you never, you knew, you knew, those those are those are sneaky bad injuries. I'll tell you, those dang Adam's apples <laughs> can really mess with your head a little bit. 
But this is a pivotal game, right? This the Utes. We we had we had a little buffer going into that Oregon State game, and we we spent it. So this is a big game. UCLA sits at three and two in the conference with one more loss. If they were to beat us, now we're tied with them. They got the tie break. So this is a real pivotal game for Utah in this South race to maintain that lead, and uh, which would be huge because if you beat UCLA, it's basically UCLA, Utah, Arizona State for the South, and you will have the tiebreaker over both of those teams. So this game is monumental. And I think that's probably the important thing that Utah losing to Oregon State is if you're going to lose a conference game, you never want to, but at least make it to a team in the North because of that tiebreaker situation. Because how many times have we seen at the end of the year, the the conference, the division is because of a tiebreaker? Oh yeah, it's 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 key. So obviously you already took care of USC, but USC is pretty much out of the picture at this point. So this 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 game will be enormous, especially, I mean, that only leaves you with Colorado and Arizona as the South Division foes left on the schedule at if you can take care of business, which you would assume, unless well, the world turns on its side, those should be pretty easy wins for Utah as bad as Colorado and Arizona are. So big game, big game for this uh, for this team, and it's, and obviously uh, you know I mean we're not out of the woods by any means. You still have Oregon coming to Rice Eccles, and you still have to go to Stanford and play in front of two people. <laughs> but Stanford, you've seen it this year they they, they, they can put it together. Uh-huh. So and they can run the ball, and if we can't stop the run or can't figure out how to consistently stop the ball, so there's there's still enough potential slip-ups on this schedule but you got to take it one game at a time and this one's huge it's crazy though and you think think back of several weeks and we're sitting here at at, still atop of the south division we've beaten asu we've beaten usc and i don't i don't think any of us that's us beat winning those two games especially after San Diego State and BYU. Oh no, no! I mean, mm-hmm. Cam, as we as we've talked about, Cam's control completely changed just the overall feeling around this program. Just the the uh, momentum that he, through his play, has been able to develop. I mean, it's just a night and day difference. And it, it I mean, USC's not their usual self either. Oh, sure, they're not. And and Arizona State, unfortunately, you know, I mean, fortunate for us, they are their normal self. <laughs> I mean, that that ASU defense had ten seniors starting, ten seniors starting, and look what Cam was able to do to them. And now they're going to be on sanctions, so I mean, they're kind of out of the picture for the foreseeable future. So, um, but no, you know, and this is obviously there. There has been some talk, some rumors out there that the. Maybe the South and North divisions may go away, mm-hmm. and it uh, the future championship game will just be come down to the top two teams um, in in the in the conference. I think that's a very interesting talking point that the commissioner kind of threw out there. And if I understand right, they'd go from nine conference games down to eight if they did that. Yeah. So you're you're missing a lot of teams year in and year out, which brings up the question that you know a lot of people have been talking about the equitability of the schedule 
right? And and how that gets worked out moving forward. The, the that are the top teams missing all the top other teams yeah. consistently so that they can be towards the top and help the conference? And are the, the low guys the ones just getting drilled week in and week out by the tough schedule? So, that you know, obviously there's some things that have to get figured out there. Um, and then that opens up an extra non-conference game um, for each team as well. Uh, and it really changes things it's drastically. It's the SEC model, right? I yeah. mean, I think Alabama went to Florida this year, and it was, I think on the broadcast, they said it was the first time they had been to Gainesville in 10 years. Like, can you imagine if Utah went 10 years without going to Washington? Like, that's just crazy. It, it is. is crazy. I can't, what with whatever happens, I, I, I'm not sure I know or have a feel for what I would like, but I think what I do like is this new commissioner puts things out there like there's there's options. He's thinking, he's like trying to think of ways to improve and revise and, instead of just the same old thing we saw <laughs> and, and it's the more old than, regime. It's more than nine o'clock kickoffs. <laughs> yeah. Right? Or or fish sticks or whatever. <laughs> oh, yeah. The seafood. <laughs> all, seafood. all the different uh, official Pac-12 sponsors. Um, you know, since we're talking about the Pac-12, let's just get into uh, the scores for this past week for the Pac-12. Uh, starting off, Arizona almost got their first win. And I am so pissed because I called Arizona to win and Bear Down failed me. They lose to Washington 21-16. Had a lead in the fourth quarter and gave up 14 unanswered points in the fourth. And, and, and that was just due to the athletes of, of Washington. I watched, I watched that game and they, they, they still have studs. I mean, they've been recruiting at a very high level for a long time. They've got talent there. <laughs> Jimmy Lake's just trying to find a way to cover it up as best he can. <laughs> the thing I, so Washington quarterback Morris goes 13 to 21 and everyone was calling for for him to be benched, and and Lake stuck with him, uh, led him to victory. But yikes! It is not not a good time to be a Husky fan right now. It's never a good time to be Husky. <laughs> uh, we kind of talked about the Oregon UCLA. Oregon wins thirty four to thirty one. That it was a good game, back and forth. Uh, I thought Oregon in that second half was going to win running away. And then UCLA came back, made it a, t- a tighter game. That's just that, but that those are some of those mistakes around Oregon to allow UCLA to come back yeah. like that with those picks. And that's been Oregon's MO all year though. They, they like play to the level of their opponent. And and they squeak out a win. And they've the been end. so up and down. You don't know. I mean, you don't know from possession to possession, what kind of, Oregon team you're going to get. No, no. And I think, and a part of their problem is their quarterback play. Yeah, he's very inconsistent. Brown, if you if you try to make him beat you with his arm, I, I think that bodes well for you. Uh, but they got a lot of playmakers. That running back die is a phenomenal kid, phenomenal athlete. Cal gets their first win in conference play against Colorado, twenty six to three. And the last game, BYU upsets Washington State, twenty one nineteen. I thought Washington State had that. If they're if they didn't miss that PAT, that's a different ball game. Yeah, it is. And you know, I guess uh, you know BYU's they're they're a pretty lucky team. You know, no not many programs get to go play uh, a team with five coaches on staff. 
Hey, but they're still undefeated in the Pac-12. I okay. Well, since we're on this, can I love that there's a tweet going around. This is the first time BYU has beat four P5 teams in one year. Oh, That's like but hang they the have, banner, they, hang the. But banner. they haven't had many opportunities. Only eleven years. <laughs> but they'd rather play UMass and Toledo. So looking ahead to this week's games, uh, obviously for Utah fans, we're gonna cheer for anyone who's playing against Oregon State. Washington State is traveling down to face the Sun Devils. I don't know if Washington State's got it. I losing all their coaches. I thought they could rally last week. I just I don't know if they win another game this year. And uh, after ASU's coming off a loss and a bye week, I think Washington State's doomed on that. But with that being said, go Cougars. <laughs> Uh, Arizona's traveling uh, to the L.A. Coliseum to play the Trojans. Do the Wildcats get their first Ooh, win? They could. They're... Is that a yes? Yeah, I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna go with it. You got the bear down. Where are you going, right? I think Arizona breaks through this week. Ah, I don't know. I I think that fourth quarter against Washington kind of broke me on Arizona. <laughs> I don't think they win a game this year. I was high broke on them. You. Was, so you were high on them, but I was high on them for that. one week. I was high <laughs> on them for one week, and then that one quarter broke me. Uh, Washington's traveling to Stanford. You got to go with Stanford. Uh, yeah, you got Washington's to. so bad. All right, and then let's get into the UCLA Utah picks. So going into the game, uh, the line opened up with Utah about a three point favorite. As we're recording this, it's moved to about six and a half. I'm surprised, to be honest with you. I thought after the Oregon State game, the UCLA would be favored um, and then maybe shift towards Utah later in the week. Um, but no, Utah is the favorite going in. Scott, we'll kick it over to you. What's your score and who do you got? I think we're going to see the our Utes bounce back, have a good performance. The offense continues to hum, so I think we're going to put points on the board. I'm going to go uh, Utes 40 UCLA, 28. Wow, 40-28. Ryan, where are you going? I I think the Utes bounce back also. I think the the offense continues to be able to move the ball and and put some points on the board, and I think they win 45-37. Okay, I kind of like where you guys are are going with this. I agree. I think there's going to be a lot of points scored. Both teams are, are putting up a little... Around 33 points a game, giving up about 25. Uh, I think it's really going to be an offensive-minded game, though. I have Utah winning 42-35. to 35. Ryan, where can people find you on Twitter? At Drum and Feather. Drum, the letter N, Feather. And Scott? Yeah, you find me, Uteman underscore forever. And at a Brad Paisley concert. <laughs> you can follow me. Slow motion. <laughs> you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Utah Man Podcast at our home utahmanpodcast.com and anywhere you listen to a podcast we are there and hopefully Utah does put this game of Oregon State behind them they get back on track and they beat the divas of UCLA and go Utes go Utes go Utes we'll be till I die kai we're good let's cut it The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are their own and are no way affiliated with the University of Utah.